0: Revelation chapter 8 verses 6 to 13. The trumpets. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down onto the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark." A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, church. I'm glad to see you on this uh, Sunday morning. My name is Doug, if I haven't yet met you. I'm one of the pastors here at Lord's Love. Uh, this morning, we're actually spanning from Revelations 8, 6 to 10, 11. So you have your Bibles. You can turn with me there. But I, had, I kind of spared Anthony from reading all three chapters, and I'm going to attempt to preach through all three chapters in some way. Uh, I'm going to try to explain it in a clearer way, but yet without reducing it to a point where it's kind of like, well, that's not what... Uh, the word uh, is about, Uh, but we've been going through a a series on revelations and we're continuing it on today and exploring the trumpets and the warnings that God gives us uh, through his word here. Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to be flying out to Toronto uh, after our service. I'm going to be flying out to begin my third and last year of my program at Tyndale, so I'm excited for that, but pray for me as I uh, start, and uh, hopefully by the end, by this time next year, I'll be done my doctoral program, and um, uh, we'll, there'll be joy and celebration and may, hopefully much positive change here at Lord's Love. But next week, I'm going to come to church and get baptized William, and I'm going to have some membership ceremonies. I'm going to go have lunch with my family, and they're going to drive me to the airport, and I'm going to say our goodbyes. I'm going to hop through security. I'm going to check in my bag, so wish me luck. Uh, we'll see. I need to bring a bag this time around, so hopefully it makes it the other way, even though, though it was just Toronto. And I'm going to hop onto a plane where the air, uh, where the, we're going to hear some instructions, right? I'm going to hear some instructions, the safety instructions, like if in case of emergencies, do this and that. Uh, notice the nearest exit, which may be behind you. Uh, if if, you, if a mass falls down, just put it on your face first before helping the person beside you. And guaranteed, and undoubtedly, I don't know the numbers, but at least half the plane isn't paying attention. Uh, At that point, I'm like, these instructions could save you, you know, if anything could happen, hey, you know, pay attention to this because I'm putting on my mask and I hope you put on your mask in case something happens as well. Uh, and, and as I think about that, like we, we ignore warnings, right? We, we ignore uh, um, uh, uh, alarms and the problems of this world because maybe we've heard it uh, too many times. And maybe if you think about yourself, not just on the airplane, but maybe back in school, do you remember, or your office building or your apartment, remember those alarm, uh, the fire alarms going off uh, when they start ringing and people are just like, is this real, you know, is this really happening? And and back in my high school, I went to Churchill, which isn't too far here. The alarm, the fire alarms always go off during final exam seasons for some reason. Uh, just as we're about okay, the, the teacher's like, okay, grab your pens, pencils, Begin and then the fire alarm goes off, right? It's always at that point we're like, "Oh man!" Like pretending I'm really sad and upset, and then we kind of walk out uh, the, the door. But you remember that, right? Like the alarms, like most of the time, we think that there's, it's not real; it's not really happening. Uh, and there's something actually called well, there's something actually called alarm fatigue. And maybe some of you that work in the medical profession. Uh, are familiar with this term where we become desensitized to safety alerts, especially those that are in the medical profession because you hear alarms going off, it's always chiming, you hear noise all the time, that we become desensitized to a point where our our sensory board is overloaded in our systems. And maybe I kind of think about that in our own lives, that in our everyday age, we've been so overloaded with our own sensors that we kind of become desensitized to the alarms of life. Uh, The alarms of life and what's going on around us, we we see trouble, we see pain, we see struggle. It's yet another news that we see here on the radio or on the TV, and we become desensitized uh, to it because the excessive numbers of alarms that we just have to shut it down. Well, we're currently going through a sermon series through the book of Revelation, and we've been, the book of Revelation means unveiling. Uh, the word revelation means apocalypses in Greek meaning unveiling, and that the truth of reality is being unveiled to John, who's in 96 AD exiled on an island called Patmos for his faith in Jesus. And he gets this revelation from Jesus to tell him and shows him what's really happening despite his current situation. And we're calling this series, the book of Revelation, future in focus, because when we see the future clearly. It helps us to see today clearly and maybe your situation in our day and time clearly. And today, despite all the alarms, despite God's demonstration of power in scripture as we read today, despite his sovereignty and how he's in full control, despite all the warnings, people will still choose to ignore God. That's the big idea today. Despite all the warnings, people keep on doing what they're doing. And as we read through scripture, I'm hoping that we won't just point the fingers as the temptation is, but as I was reading through the chapters today, that it was really convicting for me that maybe I'm the person that keeps on doing what I keep on doing, ignoring the warnings of God. See, there's a lot of text here today, so I'm not going to read through all of it. I'm really encouraging you to study it and to read through uh, chapters 8, 9, and 10 uh, on your own here. But the first four chapters are found in in in, in uh, chapter eight, uh, verses seven to twelve, which, which Anthony just read for us. But when we think of trumpets, and we don't have trumpets in our day and age, we don't have a time a, a time uh, a town square where there's a herald that stands in the middle, it's like do 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 you know, a kind of trumpet heralding you know message for the people. We, we we kind of don't really have that image in our heads. But trumpets, what do they do? Well, the purpose of the trumpet was to announce. Is, is to announce. And here in our passage today, what is being announced? Well, it's, it's judgment. Because from chapters 1 all the way to this point, God has been uh, revealing to his people, speaking to his people, speaking to his churches, saying how God is coming soon, how God is near. And then in chapters 4 and 5, we see the throne room of heaven, of Jesus being the Lamb of God, reigning and full control, and that everything is going to be okay And then the seal's being broken because there's a scroll, and John weeps because who can see the message, who can open the messages of God, who is worthy, and we finally get the image and the answer that Jesus is the one who's worthy because he's the lamb that's been slain. He's the one that we've been looking for. Every dream, every hope, every desire is fulfilled in this Jesus, but yet people ignore. Yet people don't take the warnings as seriously. And the announcements here today as we read through the judgments, it might remind you through the book of Exodus and the Egyptian plagues, and I think that's intentional, to remind us again that God, who was just and good uh, in Exodus and freeing his people, is the same God here today that we're reading reading about. As God brings back the Egyptian plagues, he's making his omnipotence, his all-powerfulness known to the world again. And if we look closely, each of these judgments addresses different aspects of life. And I attempted to uh, filter down to what we need to know and maybe for you to to read through and and, uh, what you read through in Scripture here today. That these four judgments, uh, these through proclamations, through the trumpets, reveals specifically all things of the natural world. First, a third of the earth and a third of the trees and all the green grass will be burned out. The second trumpet is, is, is sound, and then we see that a third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures of the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And the third trumpet is sound, and a third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the water. And then the fourth trumpet is sound, and a third of the day was without light, and a third of uh, the night was without light as well. So it was very dark. So as we read through this, and we're going through Revelation, we know that numbers matter. And we know that numbers are meant to be taken symbolically and not literally. So why a third here, right? Well, a third tells us that it means a great part, but it's not entirely. So even though a great part of the earth is taken, uh, it gone, and part of nature is gone, is not entirely. We see that there's different facets of the earth that's been impacted in a great way. The first one, it represents that, Everything in the material world ultimately has no power. It has no answer to this God that we follow. The second and third trumpet in the announcement and the judgment that comes addresses in that day the sea trade, which was a way of life, the food supplies, meaning all of that will be cut off. And in the fourth, in that ancient days, you look up, and the skies were magnificent. It was marvelous to our day as well. But we see that it focuses on the, seas, on the skies, and even that's no match uh, to God. So the four together, if you're like, what's the, what's the point here, Doug? Uh, the four together show that those who live only for the ways of the world, the natural world, this was everything that they knew, Right? From food, to the ground, to the skies, to the sea, everything that they knew is nothing compared to the power of God. That's the point here. The four together show that those who live only for the, the world have chosen foolishly because nothing can compare to the ways of the world for only in God, only in God, only in Yahweh, only in Jesus, only in the power of the Spirit, only in, in, in God can we find true life and true meaning. So we read through the first trumpets, which I just really went through quickly. You gotta read through the text yourself. That's pretty bad already. But it gets worse because the first four, again, represented the natural world, but then the destruction and the judgment is turned upon humanity. Uh, and we read here, which is why, as Emily, our worship leader, mentioned in verse 13, we read this: As I watched, I, as I, John, watched, I heard an, a, an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the trumpet's blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. Woe, it's an ancient and biblical expression or an interruption denoting there's going to be pain. There's going to be displeasure. You think this is bad, but it's going to get really, really, really bad. So this eagle is announcing it, and John hears it. And John is gripped as he's getting this vision. He's like, what else can happen? Then we get in Revelations 9, the fifth trumpet uh, being announced. See, Revelations 9 describes what happens with the fifth and the sixth trumpet, which is way longer uh, than in the previous chapter, in chapter 8 there, with the other four trumpets. See, the fifth trumpet releases Satan with power to use his demonic power all over the earth. And they come in the form of locusts with shields and weapons. And it's a terrific uh, a scene, truly, where they come and they, they, they torture people. And, and the image that we have here is really harsh. Like verse uh, chapter 9, verse 7, we read, the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates, like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. So we see here that that that, that that Satan and his demonic powers represented here in the locusts and this get free reign, free reign on earth to torture whoever. More specifically, those that do not know God, but also anyone, really anyone is tortured by by this. But those that know God are protected. And then sixth trumpet is released. And another evil, demonic army that comes out and kills a third of all of humanity. So why do I go on on this? And we already said last time that God, yes, he is a God of love, but he's also a God that is just. And he's given ample warning to his people. Be like, hey, believe in me. Know me. Have a relationship with me. I am the one that you're looking for. But people continue to reject him, to not follow him and keep following their own ways. People keep doing what they keep on doing. But then in, I jump ahead to the seventh trumpet, which I'm not going to um, uh, speak too much about here today. I'll save for future sermons. We jump ahead to Revelations 11, 15 to 19, where we get the perfect peace that we've all been looking for, that God declares the full and perfect revealing and reign of God where everything is going to be Okay that for God's people, we have the security in Jesus, that we're not promised a safety because in this world there will be trouble, but, be, but, but, but behold, I, 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 but, but listen, I have overcome the world. Everything's gonna be okay. You're gonna go through pain. You can go through struggle, you can go through doubt, you're going to go through heartache, you can go through depression, you can go through sickness, you can go through all sorts of things. But hold on, because I, God, am, I am in full control despite everything that you see, despite the world going down, I am still reigning, and I am still good. But the key passage found in chapters eight, nine and 10. As many commentators have noted, can be found in chapter 9, verse 20 to 21, and it reads this, the rest of mankind, even though what we just read, all the trumpets and all the terror that's come, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. Repent meaning turn back. They did not stop worshiping demons, the idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, Idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So despite the warning, you know, like, like locusts dressed up as I don't, I don't know what, anything that we've seen, torturing people, and the death, and the seas, everything we see in nature being lost... Despite all of that, people keep on doing what they're doing. And it just reminds me here today, have you ever had that conversation with someone? They're like, hey, if God would only show me his power, like if God would just write in the sky that I am God and I am here, uh, I would believe. Like maybe you have thought of that before. I have thought of that. And I'm thinking back in Exodus, people saw what God could do and yet they still couldn't didn't believe. People back in Jesus' day saw Jesus crucified, saw Jesus being buried in the grave, and saw Jesus rise again, walking along them, and still did not believe. And we say here today, God, just show me something and I will believe. I don't think that's actually the heart of the matter. Often, it, I think it is the, the rebelliousness of our own selves that we say these things, God, do this and that, when in our hearts, our hearts haven't been softened, and we, we're not truly seeking and wanting to see God, because we see here, despite the warning, the rest of mankind still did not choose to repent, but to reject God and keep doing what they're doing. They kept going about living their own lives. Even though they heard the word of God, they kept thinking that maybe this life is it, that there's nothing beyond this life, that this is all there is to live for. They keep thinking that all of life maybe is just about pleasure enjoy and, and good is enjoying what we have here. So why not eat? Why not drink? Why not be merry? Why not, why not accumulate as much as we can? This morning in our community learning class, one of our participants, uh, he's in, uh, he's, uh, in, in planning, uh, financial planning, is talking about uh, one of our participants, someone in the class, <laughs> talked about uh, this, how his career financial planning is just the conversations often come around as hoarding and just getting as much as you can to live a comfortable life here and now. And often what goes along the way is our morality. What goes along the way is our choices of God, what's God's will and following his own way. Because the temptation is real here on earth. that Satan wants to distract us and to think that all of life is it here. So why not live for now? Why not have the most fun that you can? Why not accumulate the most? Why not just focus and get all the accolades, get all the degrees, get all, get, get all the names, all the certificates, all the honor and fame and power now because that's all that matters. But that's a lie. That's a lie. And ultimately, all of those things will leave us feeling empty. People will disappoint relationships will, un- be, will, will, will not fulfill the hope and the need and the love that you so desire. And we read here that people keep pursuing what they want because they've rejected God. They keep thinking, they've traded God for something else. And that's a warning for us here, that if we keep going in the way that we keep going, nothing good comes from it. I have another friend of mine a couple of years ago had some pain in his chest, and he kind of ignored it, and then the, the couple of days went by, he's like, oh, it's kind of still ongoing, and he's like, maybe I should get this checked out, and he went to the hospital, and the, and the doctor was like, hey, did you know you've been having a heart attack uh, for the last few days? He's like, really? It's like, yeah, something called a silent heart attack. It's like your heart's not fully clogged up, but it's really struggling, and it's, you're struggling, that's the pain that you're feeling. And he said this to my friend, which he's never forgotten, he's like, if you keep living the way you're living now, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. Like, I'm just, I'm a doctor and I know more (laughs) than you, (laughs) but even from the most simplest terms, like, if your heart doesn't beat, you're going to die. And that just woke him up, he's like, if I keep living the way I'm living, if I keep doing the things I'm doing, eating what I'm eating, and all my habits and all of that, then I'm not going to make it to see my kids graduate and see them get married And all of that. Nothing is guaranteed already, but I'm hoping that at least I'm going to boost my chances a little bit, right? And often when we come hear the Word of God and we open up Scripture, that's what it ought to be like. Because when we open up the Word of God, we think we're reading the Word of God, but the Word of God is actually reading us and telling us and and revealing to us what's the matter of what's going on inside of our hearts what we're wrestling with. And God corrects in the most loving and gentle way, not because he wants to judge you and hate you and punish you, but because he loves you. He wants you to say, son, daughter, come back to me. Come experience love with me. Come experience perfect peace with me. Stop striving. Stop going. Come and to know me. But again, we read this warning in Revelation, despite God's power, despite his pursuit, people still reject God. Then we jump ahead in chapter 10, and it reads like this, Revelation 10, 1 to 4. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hands. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, showing total control. And he gave a loud shout like a roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Now, what's all of this? An angel and a little scroll, you know, standing on the sea and standing on the land. What's exactly going on here? And he gives a shout like a roaring lion and the voices of the seven thunders. Seven, remember, meaning complete. So here, in light of uh, the trumpets and the judgments, we're connecting the context here that we hear the seven thunders, meaning it's the complete judgment It has come. That we read here that that God's judgment is final and it's good, and there's no more waiting. There's no more, like, pondering anymore that God's judgment is coming into fruition here. So in verse 5, verse 8, we read, Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go take the little scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and and, and on the land. We read here that there's no more delay. Read. Come, John, and get the scroll. And there's a lot of conversation about what the scroll is about. And it's arguable that this scroll, as what we've been going through in chapters uh, 6 and 7, the seals, that this is actually the same scroll that we're talking about here, that John is now given the, the, the scrolls that's been opened, which reveals to us actually the judgment and what's to come to people that don't fully uh, follow God in his own ways, that There's this, uh, this judgment here for people. There's no more delay. Come follow me. Come listen to me. And John has handed over uh, this, this scroll. He says, come and take it. So what, he, what did he do? So I went to the angel, asked him to give me the little scroll, and something fascinating happens here. He said to me, take it and eat it. Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. So I took the scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told you must prophesy again about many people's nations, languages, and kings. So the angel tells John to eat the scroll, and we get flashbacks, actually biblically, of Ezekiel 2 and 3, where the prophet Ezekiel gets the same command to eat of the scroll. Why does the scroll turn John's stomach sour but it tastes sweet in his mouth. Well, maybe because it's sour in his stomach because it's words of judgment, so it's hard to stomach. But it's sweet because it's a privilege for him to carry and bear the words of God. That it's sweet because it's from the throne of God himself, but it's, it's bitter because it's a hard word. And if you're coming in to church this morning, and maybe this is your very first time hearing a message, and you're like, "What is going on here?" There's that warning for us here today that yes, our God is loving, but our God is also just, and He is good. That He wants all those that, that all those that have uh, been part of doing injustice, all the wars, all the pains. All, all, the thi- all the troubles in the world, one day God will bring that to justice. But that also means all those that are following evil will also be accountable. All those that do not follow the ways of God, all those that have rejected God, will also be held accountable to him as well. So the question for us this morning is what do you do when the alarm sounds as I come back to the imagery? As the warning bells go, as we hear the alarms ringing, what do you do? A social experiment was conducted by HiHasco, uh, which is a British health and safety company, found that during a fire alarm, 25% of people perk up and look around. And is this for real? Is this really happening? 13% would just ignore it and keep going on. And only 4% will actually go and find out whether this is real or not. And in 1979, which is the picture shown here, there was a terrible fire in Manchester where despite all the fire alarms, despite all the warnings, despite people saying, hey, there's a fire, despite people smelling fire and smelling smoke, people kept eating. This is Woolworth, which is a department store, and above it, there's a restaurant. And researchers, uh, like Dr. Ed Gallia, he's a fire and safety engineer at the University of Greenwich who has studied this. He says this, people who had purchased and paid for their meal, even though they could see the smoke, they could smell the smoke, they could hear the fire alarms going off, they felt like they had sufficient time to complete their meals before evacuating. And that day, 10 people lost their lives, even, before the resta- even though they, the fire alarms were going before the restaurant was actually on fire. And we laugh, and we look, and during a tragic uh, accident like this, we're like in disbelief, but we, God has been revealing to us his ways for a long, 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 long time, saying, turn, turn from your own ways, not in your own strength, but just to follow me, because my yoke is easy, come and listen to me, because I am loving, I am just, I am good, I only have good things for you, and could it be that many of us have missed the alarms because we're too busy just with life? Because have you asked the question, just like those in Wollsworth, like in that restaurant that day, they're like, I paid for my meal. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to eat my meal because I paid for it already. Could it be that many of us, we're missed alarms because we're enjoying this life a little bit too much? Yes, we hear the warning bells. Yes, we smell the smoke. Yes, we know that this life is not it, but just a little bit more because we think that this life is it. And maybe that's, that's, that's Satan's tactic for us here in the West to fill our lives with pleasure, to think that this life is it, to keep pursuing more, to start gaining more, to think that this moment is all we got. But today, church, Lord's love for us to come and to turn to God and be like, what is your will for us? God, what is your will for us? How can I love you more? How can I be closer to you? How can I have the sense of urgency, not a crushing sense, to think that we have to do more and just to fill our schedules, to do with more and more and more, more? That's not what we're saying here. But to live life with urgency that's lean towards Christ. And maybe I have, I have a few uh, uh, applications for us as we end this morning. What I'm saying here is that maybe we just need to live life with intentionality, that every single day, to live with intention, what has God called you to? What relationships have he, has he blessed you with? Where's your workplace? Where's your school? Where do you often venture out and visit? Maybe that's the place. Where, how can you live with intentionality? Because often, when we don't number our days, as the psalmist says, we just think all of it is it, it blends into one, and there's no purpose in the every single day. But what if we live with intention every single day and ask God, what do you have for us today? to pay attention to how God will have us live. Maybe it's to actually track progress, not in a, a, a punishing kind of way, but to celebrate. Be like, hey, I've been, I've been living with intentionality, but I wanna celebrate progress. Like, hey, I'm gonna take life to celebrate someone. It was their birthday, I'm gonna celebrate you. We got, uh, we, 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 I, I made it to one year in this job. Uh, we, we've, um, uh, we, we've, Uh, Have some time off. I want to take some time with our family and to celebrate that. Take moments for celebration because I think we live in a time there's so much negativity and it's it's so crushing, but we don't celebrate each other enough. We don't celebrate what God is doing, we don't celebrate each other. We want to take time to actually rest and be like, hey, let's celebrate what God is doing in your life. Celebrate progress. Maybe that will help us to live with a sense of urgency and to push us forward. And for some of of you that are goal-oriented, and maybe you want to set some stretch goals as well, that some of us are living too comfortably, set some stretch goals for your faith, that I'm going to have someone, I'm going to find that mentor, I'm going to find that accountability partner, I'm going to find that person, I'm going to join, and be plugged into the church and with each other, I'm going to stretch myself. Maybe I'm going to read scripture every single day. I'm going to find a way to get more of the words of God. If you haven't noticed, all of these actually have to do with future looking. Whatever it is, whether it's living with intentionality, whether it's celebrating progress, whether with stretching, uh, living with stretch goals and, and, and setting, um, uh, setting goals for our lives, both faith and in all facets and all spheres of our lives, it's about moving forward and, and seeing the future clearly because if we don't see what the future holds, we live, we, 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 when we see the future clearly, we live today clearly and we become who we are tomorrow by living out the actions today. That's just how it is. So the warning is clear for us here today. Are we becoming more loving? Do we have more of a relationship with God? Are we pursuing him? And his ways. Because God's words are gentle. God's words are kind. He wants you to have a relationship with him. But are you listening? Because when we reject him, we keep going and doing things that we keep on doing. And I know if your heart is like mine, I know my heart slants in a way that doesn't follow God naturally. And I go off in all these, all, all these sort, different sorts of ways. But God's ways are good. He's saying, come back to me. Because I want to love you, I want you to experience me, and I want you to sit with me one day forever where everything's gonna be good. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we repent and turn away from the ways of our hearts that don't pursue you. And today, this morning, may we hear the gentle voice of the Father saying we are so loved, that we are so known by you, that the God of the universe who's made the stars and spoke the universe into being is saying at this moment, son, daughter, you are loved, you are known, your worth is not in your grades, your worth is not in your degrees, your worth is not in your relationships, your worth is not in your bank account, your worth is not in anything that this world could possibly offer, but your worth is simply in what I have done for you, which is on the cross. And you are worthy because God says so, and you are so loved, that you were worth it enough for Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. For, Father, this morning, may we sit in the weight of that, and may we be thankful for, for you and for what you have done. But, God, for those of us that want to live life with intentionality, God, I pray for strength. I pray for perseverance. I pray, Lord, for endurance and patience. I pray, God, that we will celebrate the things of life that you are doing in our lives, that we take time to pause and to rejoice. I pray, God, that you would give us visions and goals and help us to see the future clearly so that we can move, not under our own power, but move with you, God, trusting, God, that you are with us every single step of the way. We thank you, Lord, that you never forsake us and leave us. Thank you, God, for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.